You're listening to Podcasting Paradigms with David Truss and my guest, Mike Slinger. The podcast starts off with some background about how Mike and I are connected, and so I'd like to take a moment in this introduction to thank Dr. Caleb Rashad from High Tech High and Dr. Eric Chagala from Vista Innovation and Design Academy Middle School for welcoming a few Canadians to their schools as well as to the design camp they organized. This is my second reflection on the trip. The first one was with my Inquiry Hub colleague, Dr. John Sarda, which we recorded after the school visits, but before the design camp. You can find that podcast and others I've done like this one at podcasts.davidtrust.com. And before we get started, let me ask you, what school or schools would you recommend we visit next? Let me know on the podcast page or send a tweet to me at datrusts and or Mike at MikeSlinger7. And now, enjoy Podcast 24 with Mike Slinger titled Creating Off-Ramps for Learning. I'm sitting in the San Diego airport after uh, touring uh, High Tech High and Vita, the Vista Innovation and Design Academy. And that was Mike Slinger that I'm sitting with, my pro-D traveling buddy who uh, we seem to always go on adventures and especially recently uh, one of the key elements of what we look for is visiting schools as part of that professional development. Welcome back to the podcast, Mike. Thank you, Dave. It's been a good couple of days. A little bit, little bit about yourself. Uh, yeah, I'm uh, currently the head of school at Coast Mountain Academy. I'm in my fourth year there. We're a small independent school in Squamish, British Columbia, nature's playground. And, uh, you know, we have 90 students, grades 7 to 12, and we run uh, with, a, with an idea of bringing experiential education to the forefront um, and bringing learning to life on a daily basis in our classes. And what I love about traveling with you is uh, this is the second time traveling with you with teachers. And uh, I don't know if you realize this, but it's really fun to listen to your conversation with teachers because you're always playing with the schedule, with ideas of delivery, and it just naturally just comes out of you. It's just a constant shifting of, well, what's possible and why aren't we doing it now? Yeah, I mean, it's the, it's, I think the benefit, I, I sort of somewhat consider my school a bit of a sandbox and we get to play in it and we get to try things. And if we don't like what we're doing, we can change it and we can, that could be a, a week, it could be a month, it could be a year. And, you know, we're constantly striving to do uh, things that are going to improve the quality of education for the students and the opportunity for them to learn, but even more so experience learning as opposed to just doing learning. And one final piece of background, uh, Mike and I started our careers together in Coquitlam and we taught together for five years, I believe. And then after that, he became a literacy, literacy support teacher and uh, I was one of the math teachers that you were supporting. Yeah, it was numeracy support, but that's okay because I supported your <laughs> literacy too. <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, yesterday what we did was we, uh, well, we flew in the night before at 11 p.m., Early the next morning, we're off to high tech high for a couple hours of visiting classrooms, talking to teachers and students, and just sort of being welcomed into that community, followed by, as I mentioned, going to uh, Vita, a middle school that completely turned itself around from a school where buses were in the parking lot, taking kids to other schools uh, under the old Bush um, No Child Left Behind contract because there were such a 
uh, a poor performing school to something that in just uh, about seven years has become some, uh, a complete attractor to people using their de- design ph- philosophy. Um, if you listen to the podcast regularly, I will be publishing John Sarta from Ink Rehub before this one. Uh, so I gave some background there as well. But what I want to jump straight into now is, oh, I, after that visit, um, today we actually went to a design camp at Vita, um, which was fantastic as well. Um, what I'd like to do is just ask Mike to share his three takeaways from this experience. Thanks, Dave. Um, you know, the first takeaway for, for me, and I think this has been a common thread as I go to a variety of different events uh, with different programming options, whether it's an ed camp or a, a regular conference model, is uh, it's the networking that I think jumps out at me as the opportunity to meet new people and old friends that have we've met throughout our travels around North America and be able to just talk about education and learn what their ideas are, learn what they're doing, hear what we're doing. And what I find from the networking is, A, it helps me to think about where I want to go next and what I want to do. Um, but it also reassures as I start to articulate to people that aren't connected to me and my program on a day-to-day basis, it allows me to uh, speak to them and hear their um, their reflections on my stories that I'm telling and some of that's reaffirming sometimes they offer opportunities or ideas about how to enrich what we're doing so I find that really really rewarding and then all, uh, just meeting new people from all over you know, North America and just new people to connect with and, and meet with and new people to invite to my school yeah, and for me, it's not just new people. It's actually people that I might only have known on Twitter for years that I get to connect with. Um, uh, Miguel Gulen's a perfect example who one of my podcasts, uh, I actually met him for the first time, having known him for 10 years, and then we visited a couple schools. All right, so number one would be that networking opportunity and the growth that can come from that. Uh, the next, the next uh, highlight for you was around uh, the actual design process and design camp. Yeah, I think design process is, I think, something that we all think we know because we hear about it and, um, you know, it's kind of like we all think we know what critical thinking is, but do we ever define it? It's kind of like the design process. Uh, We all think we know what it is, but to actually go to a design camp where we actually all participated in the design process with a pretty fun activity that everybody was engaged in where you feel a little bit vulnerable, you have to take a few risks, you're doing it with people that you don't know. Um, it just gives you that opportunity to see how it all comes together and you see that finished product and it's actually not even so much about the product every time as it is that process of going through the ideation and the creative uh, ideas and, and putting it all in place and trying something and allowing it to fail or not work or whatnot. And, trying to come at it from a different idea and, and then it becomes this big collaboration opportunity where you truly just need everybody to participate so that you can come up with this idea and it was it was a lot of fun and it was a really fun and engaging way for us to experience the design process and then going into the sessions the individual sessions and going into specific areas around design I think was was really effective something we can certainly um, do a better job of incorporating um, at my school for sure and I think just in education in general one of the neat things too about the design process I think is um, it starts with uh, empathy Uh, you know what is the experience of the end user or the person um, that you're designing around 
And it's really hard to start from that place when you haven't gone through the process yourself. Mm -hmm. For sure. And so that's one of those things where uh, it's one thing to look at a design model. It's another to actually sit and engage in it and understand what what it's like and, and, and where the awkward moments are so that when you're running it with, say, a staff, that you, you get that it's not necessarily taking everyone to that comfortable spot. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's the whole thing. Being, uh, you know, being comfortable in the uh, in the mess, I think, is 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 one thing that we we talk about quite often at my school, and um, you know, trying to make sure that not only the staff are comfortable in the in the messy parts, but that the students become comfortable in that unknown and that. You know what might seem to be unorganized. I constantly talk about, uh, you know, sometimes we surf the edge of chaos quite a bit, and, and that was from a, a, a University of Oregon uh, conference I went to. Yes, we uh, we went at different times, but there was a uh, something in our master's program called uh, Continue Ed, which was this deep dive into a book called uh, Surfing the Edge of Chaos. Surfing the Edge <laughs> of Chaos, and. And the author of the book ran it, but it was this fully immersive thing where um, these improv uh, people actually listened to the lessons he was doing and then ran us through an improv process that made us live the actual thing that we were talking about, which was an extremely powerful and engaging experience. And, and really got you to know the people you were with, mm -hmm. which brings you to the, your third topic, which is about the relationships as yeah. a result of... Uh, as a last sort of thing that we're going to talk about in um, in a takeaway from this uh, this experience here. Yeah, I think uh, you know it came to me sort of in the last session that I was in because we were we were looking at the design process and how we might design um, programs for the students that are on the on the outside edges of the continuum. So. You know, the, the radical students, as they said, the kids that are either extremely gifted or they are you know, struggling to just even come to school. Um, how do we plan and design effectively for those students? And what it came down to, as we went through that process, I recognized as I was doing my own, you know, we all created our own individual stories with students or staff members that we were, we were working with. And it just come, it comes back to at the root of education, I think, is the, is the relationships that we form. True learning, it's difficult to happen if you don't have that sense of trust and bond with the people that you're interacting with. And I think that, you know, in a school setting, especially my setting where we have such a small group of students and, and you know, we've got lots of staff and everybody cares and everybody knows each other, building up those relationships should really allow us to be able to really push the envelope and, and you know, give kids that opportunity to stretch and take some risks in that safe zone. Um, but you know, we constantly run into, it's not so much the staff and students as it, as it comes down to, I think, where we need to help students is building those trusting relationships amongst their peer groups and outside of their peer groups as well so that they can take those risks in a classroom and not feel like they're going to be judged in the moment in the class or be judged on social media or something. And that just opens up a whole new can of worms, but it really is at the root of it, I think it's about relationships because if you can build that safe space and that trust, great things can happen. And I also attended that session uh, in the morning, you did it in the afternoon. And uh, one of the things is that, that was a takeaway for me is you know, when you're creating a lesson for that B student, um, it won't hit everybody. 
but you have that student that um, you don't know or you haven't invested the time to know what their true passions are, what their real interests are, and what would what what are the drivers or the distractors away from their learning. And if you invest the time in figuring that out, in the process of meeting their learning needs, you're probably going to hit a significant more uh, number of kids' learning needs as well than you would if you just sort of taught to the middle. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's the same with, with everything. Even if you're looking at just making adaptations or when you're running an IEP and you're thinking, oh, this student needs you know, the ability for some sort of uh, dictation or app on their phone or whatnot, but that might be relevant. It might be really effective and helpful for other students in the class. So, you know, what's good for one should be good for all. And that way you also don't isolate kids by saying, well, okay, you get this, but not anybody else. So, you know, just bringing that out and making sure that you know, everybody has the same opportunities for support and, and feeling that comfort zone. Everybody has an entry point into um, whatever lesson it is you're doing as opposed to, uh, you know, like you said, trying to make that lesson for the B student. You know, what if we said, here's the entry point. I think back to Como Lake when we did the, 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 um, the Laker loop. And remember we did that math problem where the yeah. kids, so what we decided was it was um, you know, it was a run, it was about a one and a half K run, maybe two K run. But what we did is unfortunately, when you run a class of 60 kids through that process, you'd have, kids, there was a 10 minute difference between kids finishing and it ruined the rest of the PE class. So um, that created, I think it was a math class that created the off ramps. So kids on the given day could do an off ramp so that everybody would be back in like 15 minutes or 20 minutes. Now imagine if we could do that sort of expansion or like, make that happen in a math class or in a humanities class or a science class? How, how do you create those off-ramps so that everybody feels like they're where they're supposed to be, not being penalized um, for taking the off-ramp? That's a great metaphor to, um, to focus on. I, I think uh, one of the interesting things that I, I was thinking of just hearing you talk right there was the fact that we need to think about these things in working with staff as well. Mm -hmm. And uh, I am someone who I often... Uh, in my practice try to focus on the extremes in a sense that what are those teachers that are doing just really amazing things that we can help get out of the way like what are the things blocking those ki those teachers doing fantastic things and how do we get them out of the way but that's not enough like I said you can't just you know like a perfect example is a grant friend who is a, a Thomas Haney principal in uh, Maple Ridge uh, just one one uh, little city across from us, um, he always says, um, vision gets funded, right? And so someone has a great idea and they really want to make it work, he'll put the money in there. And if someone else says, how come they get the money? Oh, do you want to do that too, right? But that's the one side. The other side is the resistors. And something that we learned uh, in one of our classes at, at University of Oregon is, don't avoid the resistors, but run to the resistors, mm -hmm. right? And so before a meeting where you're going to present something that you think someone will have a conflict with, you go and have the conversation first and say, this is where we're going and, and get those barriers out of the way before it becomes this big, huge conversation that goes in the, the wrong direction for you. So, um, so that's one of the ways that you can look at the extremes, right? The, the extremely successful and the thriving and those who would struggle with the difference and change and saying, how can we support those? And those supports can be done for other people who are willing to either step up or uh, at the very least step out of the way because you've had the respectful conversation. Absolutely. And uh, I mean, 
I don't have a whole lot to add. I think you nailed it right there. I think that was it's 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 just it's good good practice from a leadership standpoint to try to um, you know just try to work with everybody in your staff and those resistors are definitely sometimes it just takes them a little longer to get there but you know you have your early adopters and you have those people that watch and wait and then you have the people that stay on i think like like uh, uh chris was talking about holding on to the palm tree when they don't want to go under no man <laughs> no no uh no way no how right but yeah. uh, eventually they have no choice because it's the way it's going yeah, that was a great metaphor he did about, uh, you know, a, a new island popping up and three people living on it. And one's the, one's the first uh, early, adopter. early adopter that goes and checks out the new island and realizes it's better. The other one has to make sure he's safe. And the third one's just going to hang on to that tree. Um, that was just a fantastic metaphor. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, when we talk about running to the resistors and, and leading the way and so on, that, that doesn't take away from the fact that that's all hard work, mm -hmm. right? It's not like it's easy, you know, it's easy to talk to right here, but when you're living with people who are, um, you know, having their, their good days and their bad days, including yourself, and you're trying to, to move a ship, uh, it can be a real challenging thing. And that's one of those things where uh, I think you're right. When you go to something like this, the batteries are charged, really excited about the possibilities, seeing things from different perspectives we haven't before, and then taking that back and building the relationships, I think is really fantastic. For sure. I mean, it's, uh, it's great. I mean, I just, uh, you know, again, coming back, these types of things, they do, they, they motivate you, they create things. I can't tell you how many people I spoke to over the course of the 48 hours we're here that I'm now interested in connecting with, maybe even bringing out to my school to work with my staff on a couple of ideas. And we got to meet Grant Lightman, who was who the impetus for us to go to Boston last time and go to the Meridian Academy. And here we are after having read his book, Ed Journey, and now we got to see him live and in person today and connect. And he's doing work in Canada, so we might actually get, get to see him in our, uh, in our schools as well. Yeah, and what's the name of the Meridian Academy? And his name was just Josh out. Abrams. Josh Abrams. I did a fantastic podcast with him. I actually created like a, a little uh, on my podcast page, a little set of quotes from him because there were just so many gems that I took from that. I, I have listened to that podcast three times mm -hmm. since recording it because uh, Josh was just this fantastic leader that's doing front edge stuff as far as integrating curriculum and uh, doing it with high expectations and integrating into the community and doing fantastic work. So uh, it's almost exclusively him talking and 100% worth your time if you go back and listen to that podcast. Absolutely. Any final thoughts for this one? Uh, yeah, where, where to next? Uh, I would love for people to give suggestions. We are looking for um, Pro-D pro experiences and not Pro-D conferences, Pro-D experiences. What's a school that, you, that you've been to where you say, Dave, Mike, you have got to go see this in action and figure it out. We would love to go there and we'll make our, we'll make our conference choices based on uh, the kinds of experiences and conversations we have, not necessarily about um, which conference can we go sit in, a, in the next uh, session for. So help us out, give us some suggestions, and Mike, always a pleasure. I would not be here if it was not for you uh, dragging me and saying, here's an opportunity. So um, I always appreciate that. Our adventures must continue. Absolutely. Thanks for chatting.